0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I just had to take a little quiz that I found on Facebook when I saw the question, Ever wonder what type of quilter you are? It was posted by Jen Lee of Red Thread Studio. It was a fun little quiz and had a nice report to help me. Jen has a drive to help quilters, both new and experienced throughout their quilting journey to make progress on and to complete their projects by overcoming common pitfalls that otherwise leave them uninspired, overwhelmed or chasing new projects. Thank you, Jen, for joining me on A Quilter's Life.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here today, Paula.
0: Let's start with where were you born and raised?
1: Okay, well, I am a Midwest girl. I was born in the suburbs of Chicago in a town called Aurora. Some of you 80 movies buffs might be familiar with Wayne's World. That was the setting of that particular movie. But yes, Aurora, Illinois.
0: And did you live there your whole time growing up?
1: I lived in Aurora until I took off to college. I did my undergraduate degree at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. I came back uh, to Aurora for a couple of years looking for a job and ultimately made my way to Florida, where I've been now for the last 20-plus years.
0: Oh, neat. Now back up in Aurora, do you have a special childhood memory?
1: I do, actually. I have lots of great memories, but one in particular that really sticks out to me, especially now as I'm getting older, my parents are getting older, and my kids are getting older, was when I was about my kids' age. So my kids are 13 and 15, so I was roughly that age. I was able to spend two weeks with my grandparents and my grandfather's mom and dad, so my great-grandparents, Just me, not my sibling, not my sister, not my parents, just me. And I got to spend those two weeks with my grandparents and great-grandparents. And during that time, really got to know my great-grandparents especially. And that was when my love of stitching really started. I was just learning to cross-stitch and embroider at the time. And my grandmother and great-grandmother were avid crocheters. And cross-stitchers as well and so I just have really fond memories of sitting in their lake house in the summer evenings and stitching with them and hearing stories about when they were kids. A funny story from that time was when they would ask me to thread their needles for them and I just That was the funniest thing. Like, how could they not thread the needles? I mean, how hard was that? It couldn't be that hard. And (laughs) I fast forward to today where I struggle to thread my needle, and without my handy dandy needle threader, I'd be in big trouble or I'd be asking my kids. So it's just been, I guess, especially through the pandemic and not being able to spend time with my parents and my kids not being able to spend time with their grandparents, I kind of recalled those fond memories I had of, of being able to spend time with my elders and so glad and thankful now that we have a vaccine. Um, My kids will be vaccinated soon. And so we can begin to spend that quality time. And I hope they're able to make some fond memories as well.
0: Yeah. What a blessing to spend time with grandparents and extra blessing for great grandparents. That's amazing.
1: Yes. I feel so blessed.
0: You mentioned going to college. What was your major?
1: I Majored in international business and minored in Spanish.
0: Do you get to use those?
1: So, after undergraduate, I got my master's degree, also in a master's of international management program. And my first two jobs after graduate school were in the corporate world, where it was in international divisions first of a market research company and then next with American Express. So I was able to travel the world with my job and was fortunate to be able to use the degree that I got.
0: Cool. It just sounds so exciting.
1: It was very exciting to be able to travel and see different cultures and customs and sights and sounds and smells. And... That being said, it was also very fast paced and once we had kids, it was more difficult to kind of pick up and leave and to travel halfway across the world and not be with my kids. It was probably that point in my life when I sat down and and wanted to think about where I really wanted to head in life and again, very fortunate, very blessed to have had all of those experiences. I think they formed a lot of my aesthetic today when I think about my stitching career now, but glad to have slowed the pace down a bit and to be able to enjoy that creativity in a different way.
0: Now you're down in Florida. How did you get from Aurora to Florida?
1: That is a very curious question, Paula. I, at the time, was dating someone that moved to California. So I had, after graduate school, which was out in Phoenix, Arizona, sent out dozens and dozens of resumes up and down the coast of California. And just one of those resumes made its way actually to New York with a market research agency in New York City. As luck would have it, I got a phone call from the agency's office down in Miami saying that the director of that office was also an alum from the school that I went to for my master's degree. So I had no intentions or thoughts whatsoever of coming to Florida, but that one resume that went to Miami via New York was the one that actually panned out and just picked off all of my boxes for what I was looking for in a job. And so here I've been now in Florida for over 20 years, Wow! and I can imagine myself leaving.
0: hmm So I take it you also met your husband down there?
1: I did. The time I was working for American Express in the Latin American headquarters, and my work colleagues actually tried to set us up. He was another gringo, a non-Hispanic working in the Latin American headquarters and he was quite tall, I'm tall. So I guess for those reasons, they assumed that we were the perfect match. But little did they know that he and I had already started to establish a relationship, a business relationship first on the phone. We were in separate buildings and he called me in a business matter and we connected there and we started to talk more frequently and then began to meet outside of the office. And so it was really quite comical at the company Christmas party. He and I had already been dating, and my work colleagues were trying to set us up by putting us at the same table <laughs> on <for> the <laughs> holiday party.
0: <laughs> uh, did they ever find out that you were already seeing him?
1: No, I didn't share that. I just let them Believes believe that they had made the matchmaking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have you done?
1: Besides quilting, I've also done a fair bit of cross-stitch. That was actually probably my first foray into the craft world outside of maybe school-type crafts. But I really enjoy cross-stitch and embroidery.
0: Are there other hobbies you do?
1: Believe it or not, I do have a life outside of stitching, and I love to fish. I think my love of fishing really stemmed from when I was a little girl. And again, we think back to those childhood memories. I have such really fond memories of fishing with my dad and my grandfather. I remember as a little girl My mom worked an evening shift, and my dad would take my sister and I out in a rowboat in the middle of the lake to do some fishing, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, and we'd lay at the bottom of the rowboat with our sleeping bags. The two weeks I mentioned earlier spending with my grandparents and great-grandparents, when I wasn't stitching with my grandma or great-grandma, I was out fishing with my grandfather and great-grandfather. And so here in Florida, we're really lucky to live close not only to the ocean, but to the intercoastal way where we can do what's called inshore fishing. So there's so many opportunities to grab a fishing pole and get outside and be outside here in Florida.
0: I don't know a whole lot about fishing, but is there a certain fish that you like to catch?
1: Yes. Here in Florida, we have offshore fishing which includes the mahi-mahi or dolphin. You could have kingfish, grouper. But I really enjoy the inshore fishing, one, because the waterways are not as rough as the ocean may get. So I prefer kind of back on the rivers and the intercoastal way. And in particular, I love to fish for snook. Snook is kind of like a sports fish, although people do eat it. I think in Latin America, they call it ribalo. But we do catch and release. We rarely ever keep our catch. We always let it go. They're fun because they're a fish that kind of likes to ambush, so they're very strategic. And so what is the fish thinking? Where might the fish be hiding? Do I have the best bait for today? Should I use live bait or artificial? Should we go with the root beer color? Do you think today we should be using the red and the white? There's lots of discussion that happens here in our house before we even head out. I enjoy kind of the hunt, so to speak, but I also enjoy the calm in my mind that comes with it. So my grandfather always said, patience and hope, patience and hope, because they call it fishing for a reason, otherwise they'd call it catching. So you're not always with action on the other end of the line. A lot of times you are just sitting there peacefully waiting to get that bite on the end of your line. And so sometimes it's just sitting there and having a conversation with whomever you're fishing with. Most often, that's my husband or my kids. You're making memories there. Sometimes you have a book with you. I don't often take stitching, however, because I'd be afraid for my pieces to get get messy.
0: (laughs) Who introduced you to quilting?
1: I was first introduced to quilting by my grandma, my dad's mom. So she quilted before the rotary cutter. I remember her using scissors to hand cut her pieces. I don't think she disliked the piecing process, but hand quilting was definitely her thing. And in her basement, again, where I I spent many hours as a young girl with my sister and my cousins playing in the basement, she more times than not had a quilt on a quilting rack that hung from the ceiling in one section of the basement. And many days and evenings, she'd have aunts over or neighbors that also quilted. We'd make forts underneath the quilting frame and play our games while they quilted. So she was my first introduction into quilting.
0: How fun. And picturing that quilting frame coming down from the ceiling. Did you actually get to see it go up and down, or was it usually down when you got there?
1: It was usually down. My grandfather made it. I think he used two-by-fours, and it used to hang from hooks. And then a later version, he created, like, a platform for it. It was more of on a stand.
0: Neat. Can you describe your favorite quilt?
1: My favorite quilt? Wow. Wow. I would have to say, actually, my favorite quilt is one that's at my mother-in-law's house. It was quilted by my husband's great-grandmother, and it's a cathedral window quilt. So every time we go up to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where they live, she has it in the guest bedroom. And I love, love this quilt. I think, one, I've always been attracted to the cathedral window pattern to that quilt and it's on my bucket list. In fact I have one started. But I also having started my own and having done quilting now over the years to imagine what it may have been like for Jeff's great grandmother to be quilting it. Again, she probably used scissors and to make all of the squares and the pattern's actually quite lovely. It has a one pattern on the front with the actual cathedral windows. But the way that it was put together on the back side, there's an additional pattern that presents itself once all of the squares are put together. So I've just always been amazed at the use of color, even those many years ago. always been intrigued by the design, and I really love the fact that it's a family heirloom and that I get to use it when I visit my in-laws.
0: How neat. To help me see it a little better in my mind, What colors are used in that quilt?
1: The colors used in this quilt are sort of a mauve or pink, and the green would be like a, not quite a mint green. So I can only imagine maybe these were muted colors in a color palette probably from the 50s is my guess. I need to circle back with my mother-in-law, actually, and see if she can give me some more details. Um, But they're not colors that you would see today. Well, I'm sure you could find them, but today I think about those really saturated, vibrant, modern colors. This is a little bit more muted, but not primitive, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And do you have a favorite tool you care to use?
1: I had to pick one of my favorite tools, it would probably be, oh, there's so many tools um, that I like. I might consider myself a, a tool junkie, but if I could only pick one, I would probably pick the Bowen Super Needle Threader, a desktop needle threader. And it's actually funny that I'm saying this, as I just told you the story of Laughing at my grandmother and great grandmother's expense when they couldn't thread their needles, and now I find myself in this position, and I consider it a game changer. It's one of those tools that it eliminates my frustration right away. I pull it out, and without fail, my needle is threaded. So, yes, it would be my needle threader.
0: How neat! That falls right in line, doesn't it? <laughs> And what part of the quilting process do you like the best?
1: I enjoy the process overall. I see quilting as a journey where I'm learning things over the course of time. But if I had to pick one specific piece of the quilting process itself, my favorite, I would say, is binding, which is very interesting because a lot of the quilters that I speak with, when I ask, what part of the process is the single most challenging part for them. Oftentimes it's binding. For me I see it as the light at the end of the tunnel. I know I'm almost finished. And it's also very meditative for me. I like to buy machine on the front but then hand stitch it on the back, hand stitch it down. And so I enjoy being able to take it out of the sewing room, be social with my family, sit in front of the T V. Because it's not terribly difficult to do. It's just something I can keep my hands busy. And I think that's why I like binding the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It seems like people either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your worst quilting experience.
1: I can't say that I've had any horrible experiences short of perhaps getting too careless with a rotary cutter. But otherwise, I try to chalk up my frustrations as learning experiences. So recently, in the last, I would say, 18 months, I tried to create a foundation paper piece pattern myself. I was wanting to create a pattern that spoke to the challenges we have here locally in our waterways with pollution and with algae that's impacting our ecosystem here. And so I had decided I wanted to create a statement piece and took a photo of some of the blue-green algae that was showing up here in our canals, and create a quilt, an art piece, a wall-sized quilt, and quickly realized It wasn't easy as I had originally intended, but I set out to do it anyway. I started to foundation paper piece it and then realized that I had inadvertently created sections that still had Y seams in them. And so I have not finished that project. I know exactly where it is in the closet, (laughs) but it was one that left me frustrated and disappointed because I was so passionate about the issue but yet I was feeling like I couldn't capture, I couldn't translate it into the quilting piece that I was trying to create.
0: That would cause frustration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what has drawn you to this craft rather than using your time to do other things?
1: Wow, that's a great question because time is limited, right? I think... Quilting was attractive to me in the get go because it was clearly a creative outlet, a creative hobby. But it also seemed very scripted to me. And by scripted I mean from what I had seen with my grandma, you know, she used patterns and I liked the idea of something having instructions and By nature, I am not inclined to sports or other activities where I feel out of control. And so I think I perceived quilting as something that I could be kind of in control of and then could follow a formula to create these beautiful pieces. But what probably has surprised me the most as I've gotten involved in the craft is that, yes, you can follow patterns. But as I have grown as a quilter, as I have evolved, as I have gotten more confidence, I actually now find myself being comfortable with coloring outside of the line, so to speak, right? Not having to necessarily follow a pattern or adding perhaps my own embellishments or my own spin or my own take on the pattern. And now even finding myself wanting to create my own patterns. And so I think that's what I like about quilting overall a creative outlet for me in particular to keep my hands busy, to keep me out of trouble, but also make something. I I think of myself as a maker.
0: Mm -hmm. Who do you make your quilts for?
1: When I started quilting, I primarily made, actually I entirely made quilts for other people. So whether it was for a baby shower or for a wedding, and then not that long later, samples for the shop. I was always making them for somebody else up until recently.
0: So have you gotten to make many for yourself?
1: Actually, at this point, have started one quilt actually last week that is for me. For me and my husband, here in the house, it's going to be a wall quilt that I would like to hang in our newly remodeled
0: kitchen. Have fun. Have fun. My next question is, what are you working on now? Is that what you're working on?
1: Yes, that's one of several projects I'm working on. The others are, shall I say, unfinished objects. Originally started for the purposes of being a shop sample, but the products have come and gone because they were hand projects. So the process of creating the shop sample was taking longer than the time frame to sell the items. So now I'm circling back and working on some of those as well with the hopes of keeping some and giving a couple away.
0: What is a quilting tip that you like to give to others?
1: One thing I've learned about myself in my quilting journey is that I am a perfectionist at heart. I realized this tendency earlier in life before I was a quilter, but I think my time quilting has really shown me that I'm a perfectionist. And I have realized as well that if I don't allow myself to move on and to let something be less than perfect, it will never get done. And so one thing I like to share with folks, especially for those who self-identify as a perfectionist, is that many times done is better than perfect. And if we can just get ourselves to remember the purpose of the quilt that we're working on, who we're working on it for, oftentimes that's enough to help us move past that area where we feel like we have to keep ripping it out or doing it over because The recipient's never going to notice that mistake, right? Once the quilt's finally put together and the quilting's done and you've washed it and it's got that fun, wrinkly feel to it, that's going to disappear. So I try to focus on or envision the recipient receiving my quilt and just being filled with joy for the quilt that the little mistake no longer becomes important. So Mm -hmm. that's what I like to remind people is you can let that go. You can move on, and it's still going to be loved and very much appreciated by the person that you're giving it to.
0: It's a great tip. Describe for me how you went from having quilting as a hobby to turning it into a business.
1: Seven years ago, I found myself at a turning point in my career There were a lot of changes happening at the company, and I found myself in a situation where the wind was behind my back, and I had a very supportive husband. And I sat down to think about kind of what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I reflected on things again, those childhood memories that we talked about earlier, and things that made me happy. And I realized I enjoyed working with my hands, I enjoyed helping other people and decided I'm going to give owning a quilt shop a go. And so at that point, my idea was to create an online quilt shop, and that's where we started.
0: Now, you created an online. Has it always been online, or did you have a brick and mortar at any point?
1: Yes, we've always been online. There was a point when I considered purchasing an existing quilt shop here locally, and then as life would have it, We sort of got a message from the universe that that wasn't meant to be. And so I listened to that message, that voice, and just decided to keep moving forward with the online business, with the occasional booth at a quilt show.
0: Hmm. And how did you come up with the name Red Thread Studio?
1: Paula, that's a great question. It's a question I get asked frequently. And when I looked to start my online shop seven years ago, I wanted a name that reflected what I felt was sort of the spirit of the quilter. And I saw that as being a community where people were connecting with each other and we had this shared enthusiasm, this shared love of making things with needle and thread. And as I started to look for URLs or website names, I was really coming across many roadblocks. For any names that I thought were interesting, I realized there were already quilt shops that had that name, or perhaps the price to purchase the URL was just too expensive. And so I was sitting down with a dear friend of mine, Joey, talking about the dilemma I was having, the challenges I was coming across. And when I told her and described to her the feeling that I wanted to convey with the name of the quilt shop, she said, Jen, have you ever heard of the ancient Chinese proverb, the red thread? And I had not, so she explained further that the red thread says that everyone we're destined to meet in life were connected to by a red thread. And that red thread will never tangle and it will never break. And for me, that just really spoke to, again, the idea that I wanted to connect quilters together. I wanted to connect them, whether they were Australian designers or designers from the UK or here in the US with others, I felt very strongly about the idea of fate and that We're destined to meet others or we come across others for a reason or for a lesson in our life. Red Thread happened to be one of those names where the URL was very expensive. So another friend of mine suggested, just stick Studio on the end of it and it'll work great. And wouldn't you know, the URL was readily available and we didn't look back.
0: How neat. Everything does seem to tie together, doesn't it?
1: It sure does.
0: When you opened up your studio online, how did it feel when customers started purchasing from you?
1: Well, I have to say, Paula, the saying build it and they will come doesn't necessarily always hold true for a website. I think I was naive in those early days to think, oh, I just go in and create this website Upload beautiful photos of beautiful projects, and next thing you know, I'm in business. I spent a lot of time creating the website. I remember doing some promotional activities in advance of the actual launch date, and then I pressed, you know, kind of the on button. I put it live, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. (laughs) I continued to post on Facebook. I think at that time, I even started an Instagram account. And it was actually over the holidays. We were not home, but I had my cell phone with me, and the volume was on. And I heard my first ding. (gasps) Oh, What was that? I turned to my husband. I said, is it? Did I really? I I think I just got a sale on the website as I had a notification alert set here on my phone. So I remember waiting to get home to go look on the computer. And sure enough, you know, it says, you have an order. And I opened it up and it was from my mother-in-law. And so very excited and so appreciative for her for being my first customer. And it was at that point, you know, I just sort of never looked back. I continued to be patient and to continue to put myself out there. And follow all the guides for creating traffic online. So it's been a really interesting experience coming from the roles that I had in corporate America to now becoming a solopreneur in a space that I'd never had any real skills at. So it's been very fortunate for me and feeling honored to have had now the opportunity to learn all the inner workings of search engine optimization and social media marketing and email marketing and all of that. But I always clearly remember
0: that first sale. And you have a sound to go with it. Yes. (laughs) That is so neat. I was hoping you could tell me more about your Red Thread Connect. That sounded very interesting.
1: Oh, yes. So Red Thread Connect had its, Beginnings actually at the heels of the pandemic, as we as a country started entering into lockdown. And I realized when I looked at my own personal quilting patterns and behaviors that I had a lot of stuff at home. I had a lot of fabric, I had a lot of notions and supplies, I had unfinished projects sitting here. And as I was talking with customers of mine and also friends in the quilting space, they were expressing the same thing. And so I said to myself, this might be an interesting time to kind of come together when we're not able to go out and physically shop at the quilt stores and just take a review of what it is that we had at home. So I realized we can do more with less or with things that I already have. And find joy again in the things that we had at home. And so that's why I started the Red Thread Connect community, where there would be like-minded creatives that could connect in a fun and inspirational way, but not have the hassles or the stress or commitments maybe of a traditional cult guild. So we spend a lot of time in our group getting organized, right, going through all of those things that we have have stashed away in our sewing rooms or our closets or our guest rooms or otherwise. And no matter their experience and no matter how many UFOs they have, that I could help them get clarity on the best way to tackle their unfinished objects. So it became very clear to me that in addition to selling quilting supplies, I actually really enjoyed helping people. And I enjoyed helping people find joy in the projects that they already had at home.
0: How neat. And does this group meet monthly, weekly?
1: The Red Thread Connect community, which is a paid membership, it features membership portal. We have a private Facebook group. We have virtual sit-and-sews weekly. We have them on Mondays and Thursdays of every week. And then folks that are part of our community also get front-of-the-line access to other Red Thread Studio events we may have, like recent virtual trunk shows that we've hosted. They get trackers and worksheets. We have a weekly motivational lesson. We've had exchanges. Uh, We did an ornament exchange at the end of 2020. And we are also working now on a quilt along for those who are interested in participating. And then we also invite guest speakers. So it's been evolving really into, again, this community of like-minded creatives who want to focus on getting all of their unfinished projects done. So neat. And if you're interested in our Red Thread Connect community, the doors are open twice a year, so we'll be opening in August of this summer.
0: And that's August of 2021? Correct. And what all does Red Thread Studio offer? Do I understand that you also have like cross-stitch or other stitching things on there?
1: Yes. So Red Thread Studio, our website, offers quilting and stitching supplies geared toward the modern aesthetic, but specifically for hand quilting, hand piecing, English paper piecing, hand applique, wool applique, sashika, which is Japanese embroidery, we have cross-stitch and, and embroidery as well. So it's really geared for the stitcher on the go.
0: Where can people find Red Thread Studio?
1: Stitchers can find Red Thread Studio at www.redthreadstudio.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Red Thread Studio online.
0: Great. And I will have all these links on your episode page. So if people check the show notes, they'll be able to find them.
1: Fabulous.
0: Is there anything else you would like to share?
1: No, I think that's all, Paula. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Bye. Bye.